Hello, and welcome to the TMG Fireside Chat. The premise of the TMG Fireside Chat is to bring leaders across the fire protection and life safety industry together and talk about industry-wide challenges and highlight solutions that will help to solidify the industry's foundation while preparing for growth through new technologies and strategies. In this episode, we get to know Jack Kaffelt a little bit better. Jack's a U.S. Navy veteran and, like me, a plank owner of a Ticonderoga-class guided missile cruiser. Jack was on the original crew of CG-73 USS Port Royal. Jack, thank you for your military service. Jack has been in the fire protection industry for more than 30 years, spending time in both fire sprinkler and fire alarm. Jack has spent the last four years of his career on the software technology side of the industry. In this episode, we hit on the evolution of technology and fire protection, the connection between new technology and the development and adoption of new codes to support that new tech, the use and deployment of inspection, test, and maintenance technology like service trade, and he highlights that 660% of fire life safety inspection companies continue to use pen and paper to complete inspections. We closed the podcast talking about the recent publication of NFPA 915, the standard for remote inspections and tests, which was released on May 13th, 2023. We then highlight the collection of data and how it can be used through the next evolution of the codes and NFPA 950, the standard for data development and exchange for the fire service, and NFPA 951, the guide to building and utilizing digital information. A lot of our discussions are focused on the future of the industry. And for me, it really highlights uh, some great things um, and where we're headed. We hope that you enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome to uh, this episode of the Fireside Chat with uh, John Mackey. Um, fortunate enough today to be sitting down with an industry friend of mine, Jack Kofelt, uh, with Service Trade, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about what's going on in the, in the space around technology, uh, some new developments in the fire protection codes, and, and learn a little bit more about Jack's background. Uh, former fire alarm expert, if, will, if you will, and then morphed into a uh, sprinkler system uh, guy and now a, a, a wide array of, of knowledge across uh, the industry as a whole. And uh, so we're going to talk about the, the industry itself, learn a little bit more about Jack's background and then the role that technology is playing in how we do things. So um, for uh, all members, of course, or all listeners, encourage you to like and follow uh, the Mackey Group uh, blog and the Mackey Group uh, YouTube channel where you can find the, the video version of this podcast. And um, and anything else we push out, but uh, like and follow all the socials, et cetera, et cetera. So, Jack, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, glad we could do this. Uh, we're coming to you from uh, NAFED Chicago, the National Association of Fire Equipment Distributors. Uh, we will not have Mr. Steve Ford with Century Fire presenting, uh, but we are sealing his breakout room <laughs> until he gets here. So, uh, uh, thank you in advance, Steve, for that. Um, so, one of the things I always do to start uh, these podcasts is um, what session I call, or segment I call, rapid fire questions, right? Just to kind of, <laughs> yes, exactly. right. give people an opportunity to get to know uh, you a little bit more. Um, so I think one common link we all have is, you know, it's part of American society, sports teams. You know, you and I had a conversation last night about, you know, some of your sports teams. I don't want to tip, tip that off right now, but, uh, you know, what's your, what, you know, what teams do you truly follow? 
Living in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, it's obvious I'm a Cowboys fan, I'm a Rangers fan, I'm a Mavericks fan. Go Stars, we had to go pull it out last night. And one thing I also follow heavily is UFC, MMA. Yep. I'm a former wrestler and wrestling coach, and so I, I watch those very often. Okay. Quite enjoy that. Cool. So, yeah, I think what's interesting on the MMA side is just the evolution of the sport. Uh, I think that Dana White uh, is a marketing expert. Genius. <laughs> Absolute genius. At how he's done this, and uh, it's constantly in front of you. Right, number one, and number two, again, because the world we live in around social media and everything else, you can find it on YouTube, you can find it on other platforms, and, it's, and they're doing weekly shows now. Yeah. Uh, it used to be you would have three or four fights a year, yeah. and then now, it, you know, with the the tough competition, yeah. and that they're they're literally having fights every weekend. Now. Yeah. So lo lots to watch there. It's a big business, very and, uh, big business. You know, so um, that's cool. Um, what about uh, food? I, you know, I was hesitant to ask the question because you're a Texas guy, so I know where this is going, but I'm going to ask the question. Sure, sure. <laughs> so what's, uh, what's your favorite foods? So interestingly enough, I'm a closet chef. Okay. Uh, I have two children that are professionally trained chefs. Uh -huh. Can't keep up with them. Um, I like to make my own pastas. I like to make my mm. own gravy. Uh, I do a lot of pizzas. Yeah. I do a lot of New Mexican food, yeah. being from New Mexico. Yeah. Uh, I know you're looking for me to say the barbecue. I'm okay at it. I'm still working. That's yeah. a, that's something I work on real yeah. hard. But uh, and I just do a lot of uh, you know off the cuff stuff. Yeah. I'll see somebody make something. I'll make it and and, and make it mine. I'll yeah. jackify it if you will. Yeah. And uh, it works pretty well. But that's cool. No, you're right. I was hesitant to ask the question because if I'm going to get a brisket answer like I get from every other person in Texas, right? Not but I like the curveball around pasta. So personal note, uh, my wife and I uh, went to Italy back in September and took a pasta cooking class. Um, and I absolutely loved it to the point where for Thanksgiving, we went to a traditional Thanksgiving. Uh, we always do some pizzas or something else. My son and I made the pasta dish for the family. So, like, yes. you know, you know, fresh pasta at home, you know, in lessons, that was the first time we tried it. Um, came out good. Not perfect. But nice, nice. Yeah. Interestingly enough, my wife and I did the same thing. We were in Italy a few years back uh, for our 25th anniversary. Yeah. And the last day that we were there, she got us a cooking class because yeah. she knows that's you know my thing. Yeah. We had a, an amazing time. And then I've actually recreated those meals at yeah. home a time or two yeah. and uh, outstanding. Yeah, no, outstanding. I, I'm, I'm with you. I love it. I, I, uh, I like to comment around a closet chef. I'm willing to try more stuff, especially as I get older and have a little bit more you know, time at home. Yeah, I, I recently just changed out my electric cooktop for an induction cooktop. Uh, and that's a whole new world of, okay. of uh, control and whatnot. So I'm yeah. learning how to, how to play with that. And it's, it's quite fun. Cool. Cool. Um, all right. So you you made a point earlier that you grew up in New Mexico. You live in Dallas now. I do. Um, so kind of link back to high school. You know, we all in yearbooks. Uh, they still do yearbooks today. Um, and your classmates all have the opportunity to identify certain things. So you know, under the umbrella of, you know, your classmates would have voted you most likely to off the cuff, I'd say die. Yeah. I, I was a little bit fearless and, and would do, you know, anything to get our group of guys were doing and hanging out. Yeah. You know, living in the mountains, we would go off-roading quite a bit. Um, I may or may not have jumped my beetle off of a little small cliff one time and cracked Confirm or can die. Confirm or deny. Neither. So uh, to to have made it past twenty-one was a, a big plus for me. Good. And uh, we're still kicking with that. So. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's that's good. It's funny how you know certain things we latch on to in high school and oh, absolutely. what have you. So um, how do you find yourself in fire protection? And, you know, uh, I'll start there first. 
you know, it's a, it's a great question. And the very simple answer is out of high school, um, I was 17 and I joined the Navy mm-hmm. and I, I became an interior communication electrician and an I seaman. Uh, and within that rate, we did fire alarm stuff. We did fire suppression stuff. We did closed circuit TV stuff. We, you know, lots of low voltage communication. Yep. And with that, I worked on fire protection systems on an aircraft carrier, uh, USS Carl Benson, uh, Go Eagle. Uh, and then I had the good fortune of building the USS Port Royal. Uh, I was a, a plank owner yeah. on that uh, CG-73. We actually just were in Hawaii in September to decommission our ship. Uh, but on both of those ships, I worked on fire suppression systems, uh, was my primary yeah. uh, project there. And when we got out of the service uh, in the late 90s, I transitioned into the civilian sector and, and just continued on with uh, what I'd been doing for 10 years. That's great. That's great. Um, I too am a Navy vet, you know, I've talked about this. However, you just made a reference to your ship and I never talked about the Port Royal. So I commissioned CG 57, Lake Champlain. Nice. And commissioned in 1988 in New York City. And we just found out two weeks ago, it's being decommed August for uh, September 1st in San Diego. And the hundred plank owners yeah. are all Rallying, they say, all right, we're going to San Diego for decom. So, you know, we had 400, a little over 400 crew members yep. on the Port Royal, yep. and 100 did show up in Hawaii. Yep. Now, I think had we done it in San Diego, but we were home port in Hawaii. Yep. So, and that's a little bit tougher of a trip to make yep. out. Uh, so, that's great. And, and I think you're going to have a blast. I'll tell you, um, some of the guys on the, on the crew really took charge of the situation. We've got an amazing challenge going uh, that the guys made. One side was for the commissioning, yep. one side was for the life and, and the decommissioning. It's the coolest challenge coin I have in my collection. All right, we're going to take this conversation offline because I need to learn about that. Because I will do that. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So, very cool. And thank you for your service. You and know, thank you for yours. Yeah, I mean, I remember those days back in you know late '80s, early '90s, and you know the things that we did. You know, that, you know, know the you, ships, the CGs were amazing. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the aircraft carrier I was on that was uh, you know Carl Benson, but yeah. we were in overhaul uh, at the beginning of Desert Shield, Desert Storm. Yeah. So. That was a unique perspective to see a 27-story, you know, ship, um, in dry dock. 11, you know, a thousand feet long in dry dock, literally up on blocks. Yeah. Um, it, it was pretty nice. Yeah, that's amazing. Very cool. Um, all right, so um, let's let's kind of get into the meat of the matter. I mean, we talked to you at the, the, the you know opening about you know technology from a highlighted perspective about technology and the role it's playing in in fire protection. So, from your you know view, what you know. The evolution of technology. Where are we at today? And you know, let's start there. Where, where, where's that, where's technology at today in, in the fire protection space? You know, it's a great question. It's a great topic. Um, I think we're we're starting to see some minds click into the fact that we need to digitize and get with the IoT of things, mm-hmm. so that we can provide data back to building management systems, owners, etc. Uh, and I think we're at the at the tipping point of that. There's some companies out there doing some really cool things right now. And they're just starting to do that. Um, you know, we're, we've got wireless sensors coming up. We've got Bluetooth technology yep. coming up. Um, we've got smart sprinklers now. Um, I was just watching a video before we started this about this newfangled hy- uh, fire hydrant. You know, so they're really starting to accept the idea that we're not in the stone ages anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, even though our, our fire protection systems are pipe and water or wire and conduit and, and strobes and, and pull stations, we can get more out of those systems to be able to provide customers, owners, and firefighters, life-saving you know, information yeah. so that we can protect these buildings that are going up so much faster these days. Right. So the more that we can do uh, to provide that kind of information, 
to those that need it uh, is, is better. And I really think we're, we're on the cusp of that at the moment. Yeah, I think it's interesting, right? I think, you know, I've been in this space for 17 years. Um, you've been longer, right? 20? A little over 30. I hate to date myself. That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, so I, I look at the evolution, around the evolution and the pace that we're at, right? You know, I used to work at Ansel and, and we're pretty methodical with, with new products, right? We can only manage so many products in the pipeline at a given time. And let's say it takes 10 years to develop a new, you know, piece of equipment or new new technology. Um, at the same time, you're trying to match that up with the code coming out that's going to accept that new technology, right? So that extends it out even later. Say, okay, now we're into like a ten or twenty year window, right? So, are you seeing? We see what's going on in the manufacturers. Um, I think it's more so with regard to IoT and integrated type systems, like you said, yeah. smart sprinklers um, and concepts like that. Are we seeing the code cycles? Um, adopt um, technology, number one. And number two, are they moving faster to keep up with the new technology that's coming in? You know, it's a great question. Uh, and I actually have a very interesting scenario on that. Yeah. Uh, so I recently put out, I have a monthly code corner, yeah. Jack's code corner on, on LinkedIn. And, and last month's was in regard to um, fire uh, deluge systems and pre-action systems, yeah. actuators, the monitoring of those. Um, I w was part of the team that put in the submission to PI back in 2016 yeah. for NFPA 13, uh, and it was highly debated. Uh, it was a known problem, and they didn't really know what to do, mm -hmm. but they gave it a five-year window for going into effect just so they could give manufacturers time to build the device to be able to actually monitor that actuator to send a signal back so if it's ever disconnected, you'll know that your system is inoperable. Right. So they, the, the code committee, the technical committee, right. recognized we don't have the technology today but we think within this period of time, and they gave it a five-year window, that we can do that. And there were several com companies out there that came earlier and had it ready to go when that date came in January of 2021. So to answer the question, they are um, in, in internet of things and, and technology is changing at blazing speeds. Yeah. The thing that kind of slows us down a little bit is our code uh, process. You know, We have three-year, five-year, some variables, and within that time, you can have a lot of different changes. So um, there's pluses and minus yeah. on both sides. Yeah. I think manufacturers are, are trying and trying to be proactive. I know there's a lot of uh, new innovation going on at multiple companies that yeah. we're familiar with. Um, and then the trick is you have to be able to get it in there. And there's a little vicious cycle. Is it listed? Is it not listed? If it's not listed, some technical committees don't want to put it in the code until it gets listed. But then the listing companies say, well, we can't put it create a listing until you put it in the code. So we watched that with the automatic uh, testing switch, water flow switch, water puts out um, for three cycles, two cycles. It was, I can't do it yet, I can't do it yet. And then they finally got together and agreed, okay, we, we have this product, let's go ahead and put it in the code. We get the listing and then now you can do it. So right. it's a very interesting process. Yeah, I think it's, it's uh, it highlights again, the, the, the need for everything to kind of speed up a little faster. Right? Yeah, absolutely. The computer, the technology itself is moving. Right. Absolutely. So then how do you create the solution to meet the, you know, the need for the technology and then get the codes to align with it as well? I mean, it's that's a I'm sure it could in, in certain codes are going to move faster than others. Like you said, it's three year window or a five year window with regard to revisions. Absolutely. Yeah. Very good. That's interesting. Um, how do you view the use of technology in the space? I mean, you know, I know you work for service trade. Uh, prior to that, you were with the Surio Bird Dog. And, and so you, you're spending a lot of time in the ITM um, and maintenance side of things as it relates to technology. Um, but, you know, what do you see 
Um, how do you see the BNUs, number one, um, and where it's headed with regards to the use and acceptance, I guess? So it's really interesting. Uh, in, in the fire life safety world, again, we have uh, some long-established companies and long-established best practices, yeah. and a lot of it was pen and paper, right? Uh, and, and interestingly enough, I, I had a conversation with a customer just last week that we went to talk to them and they were asking, how does our software print out on a triplicate form so that they can get a little dot matrix printer to print this out and keep a copy for them? And I just, I just, I, I said, really, that's what we're doing? Uh, let me, let me help you move forward just a little bit. So believe it or not. Do they even still make dot matrix printers? I, I don't know. I haven't seen one in quite some time. But we, I agree. we say dot matrix and everybody that's watching hears that. Yes. Thing, right? yes. Um, so it, it's it's mind boggling that 60% of fire protection contractors that we've talked to are still on pen and paper. All of that. Say that percentage again. 60%. Six zero. Six zero. And that's across the spectrum okay. of fire life safety. Okay. That's extinguisher companies, okay. suppression companies, alarm companies, sprinkler companies. They still go out and do pen and paper it's, you know, you've got chicken scratch. Can I read this? Can I not read this? I got coffee stains on it, et cetera. So it's interesting that. It spends two weeks in the truck before it even gets back to the office. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, um, you know, there's, and where it's at today, there's some great platforms like ours and others out there that you can take that information, digitize it, and then be able to analyze that. And, yeah. and from my perspective, um, I've been working with the NFPA's Fire Protection Research Foundation for quite some time on their big data project. Yeah. And the big data project is, is a beautiful project, uh, but it's very challenged to get data and to get data in a similar fashion. Yeah. But what I see is as we go digitized and we start doing inspection reports in a data format, maybe in a little bit more consistent means, we can take that data, we can put it into the Fire Protection Research Foundation model, and we can start seeing trends of, do we really need to be inspecting this on a quarterly basis? Do we need to be inspecting this on an annual basis? Right. Do we need to be inspecting you know, small retail shops once a year or should they be every three years mm -hmm. hospitals should they be more etc but we can't make those determinations until we build that foundation exactly. of data to really give it a good analytics yeah. and make some of those decisions so if i remember back a couple of years ago um, i gave a presentation at the fsa um, conference specific to codes and what there are three specific codes that uh, were in the pipeline we're going to talk about 915 here at the end of the conversation but the other two i presented on i think i NFA 950, which was data collection or data reporting, and to your point, standardizing on how the data had to be um, reported, collected. collected and reported. And then 950, yeah, so that was the collection side. And then 951 was the report side, right? So um, I talked to some friends of mine at, at, at Jensen Hughes, and um, I said, okay, give me the perspective of where things are at in the evolution. Is it's a Sequencing and this is 915 was the big push, right? Remote inspection. But 950, 951 is going to be the deliverable down the road. So, where does 950 and 951 stand today in the code cycle? You know, I, I'd be remiss to, to answer that. Yeah. It's not one I'm very familiar yeah. with. Uh, I, I do recall talking with the Fire Protection Research Foundation about that. Um, there is a, uh, a PhD on the Fire Protection Research yeah. that was driving that. I think he was. Um, you know, a big, big driver in that. I, I haven't followed that one. Okay. Much, so I, I'd be remiss right. to say. Well, we have NFPA here in about three weeks. So yeah, know, maybe but, we'll and, go and find we have, the guys that, uh, absolutely. You know, that are on this committee and get an update. Absolutely. So, that's cool. No, I, I do agree. I think that, you know, what the technology is allowing is a collection of data. 
And I, to your point, I don't care what platform you're on. Oh, yeah. Right? But then how do we get that back to, you know, some collection source um, to standardize and, 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 and really analyze what we have? Because I think, you know, if we're able to track the performance of a sprinkler system, an alarm system, you name it. I mean, there's something that can be said there. So um, good stuff. All right. Um, what about, uh, let's get into 915 and what's going on with uh, remote inspection. So 915 is, is a new standard for remote inspection uh, that was initially started in about 2017, 2018. There were some, some papers that were created. The, the Standards Council decided that's something we need to look into. And they recently, uh, in April, at the Standards Council meeting, they approved it. And yeah. on May 13th, they've now made it effective. So remote inspections is an official NFPA standard now. Okay. Um, and right now it's in a skeletal framework, uh -huh. but they're setting the foundation of how we can do remote inspections through various means of technology. Whether you're going to use drones, whether you're going to use cameras, whether you're going to use analog cameras, whether you're going to use vehicles. Um, and they've got a framework set up for it so that um, in times like the pandemic, you know, if we st we still need to monitor these and, and take care of these yeah. important fire alarm safety systems, but if buildings are shut down, this, that, and the other, we need another means to verify that everything's still going to operate. Right. right? Whether right. it's occupied or not, things happen. Right. And so, nine fifteen is setting the foundation for being able to look into these fire life safety systems with technology in an approved manner. You know, everything in the NFPA is with the AHA's approval. Yep. Right. So AHA will have to approve this. Um, but it's pretty exciting that 915 is, is here. Um, and what I see happening with 915 is, you know, today in NFPA 25 and NFPA 72, there are remote testing sections that are a little bit light. What I see, and, and uh, this is just my opinion, um, is that those sections could eventually move into 915 and give us much more guidance on, you know, if I'm gonna fly a drone into this room so I can get it real close to these sprinkler heads and come across and see, uh, am I corroded, am I loaded? know xyz right um that's all could be in 915 but it's, it's going to give us a good foundation to use technology to give us the data we need to verify that we're actually doing the right things out in the field right yeah i think that you know like you said with regard to you know how we use the technology i know i've talked to some folks that are on 25 and on 72 and they're saying yeah we're starting to put clauses in those codes that open the door for technology to come in as well right absolutely we've got to it's a sequencing, like we talked about with regard to product. You got to sequence the code to kind of get them to all line up as well. Right? Absolutely, it's all line inverse. And if you're, you know, focused on ITM for sprinkler, right? You're not thinking about nine fifteen. So there's got to be a linkage. Right. Yeah. And, and and they'll uh, they'll reference each other. And they'll get they'll get correlated uh, yeah. down down the road. Very good. Well, we're going to put a link into uh, on the podcast notes specific to uh, the NFPA nine fifteen uh, on on NFPA. Uh, like you said, it's still in a skeleton type structure and it's just published right so it's yeah it's it's out but there's a lot to learn about it and how we deploy it right? absolutely so may 13th so there it is i think we're may 26 27 13 days ago yeah <laughs> so it, it's pretty neat and uh i'm looking forward to seeing what yeah. it can do yeah and same how it can be implemented i think it's a game changer i mean i told you know, that when i spoke out three years ago i said you know this mark this code's coming you know so be prepared you know and take ownership for your in your community or in your market because um it gives you the opportunity to deploy more technology to meet the needs of your customers. Absolutely. Right. So that's great. Um, well, Jack, I always finish every one of these podcasts with you know one question. We've got this theme running through all these things around mentorship and leadership. Um, if you had the opportunity to work with one person, 
uh, who you really looked up to, helped you grow as uh, into the leader that you are today, or had the most fun working with? Who would that be, and why? Um, that's a difficult question. Uh -huh. It really is. Uh, had to think about it for a little bit, but the answer for me is a gentleman back in, in Capel, Texas, yeah. uh, by the name of, of Steve Williams. Uh, Steve is the vice president of security fire systems out of Capel. Long time, long time. His family goes back generations back to Ladue Fire, if anybody knows that. Um, and, and Steve took me under his wing. He brought me in to work in his alarm division, run the alarm division. And over time, he started cross-training me on how to do sprinkler inspections as well. And then eventually, I took over you know, all the inspections for that company. Uh, but Steve really gave me guidance. He, and he was a patient man. Uh, he was a hard man, but he was a patient man. And he really taught me uh, how to look at things from a fire life safety perspective. Understand that what we do matters, right? And so what I can proudly say, uh, and I, I've said this many times, any system that I've ever interacted with, worked on, whether it was a fire alarm system, a sprinkler system, a suppression system, whatever, in the case it was needed, it operated as intended yeah. because we didn't take shortcuts. We didn't cut corners. We didn't, you know, bypass things. We did the right thing, whether it took a little bit more time or a little bit more money. And that was Steve's coaching for me. Yeah. And I've really taken that uh, to heart. And, and as I've mentored others throughout the process, I try to do the same thing and help them understand what we do really does matter. Right. Yeah, there's a point that was made in the Las Vegas conference. Uh, Aaron Dickens spoke to it during his presentation. Uh, around future of, of our industry. And then Deputy Fire Marshal Brian Scholl from Fe City of Phoenix talked about the relationship between fire protection contractors and AHJs. And uh, both Aaron and Brian, not prompted two separate presentations, said the work that fire protection contractors do is to save the lives or protect the lives of the heroes, the firefighters that are going in. Absolutely. Right? To your point, the firefighters have an expectation that we are going to maintain those systems in accordance with codes so that when they respond to a call, they know that that system's operating. Exactly. Right? Sprinkler heads are popped, you know, kitchen systems going off, right? And they're controlling the environment. So when they get there, you know. They can go do what they do. Absolutely. In, a, in as safe a manner as possible. Yes. Yeah, no, they're going to the building. Absolutely. absolutely. Right? We show up after. So that's great. Um, well, I think we're going to wrap up there. You know, we got Steve's presentation is about to start. We got a little audience kind of mingling around, but, uh, Jack, really appreciate you taking the time. You know, Thanks, John. Down. Yeah, I've enjoyed it, it yeah. very much. And, uh, you know, um, we'll have Jack's contact information uh, in the notes. Um, I think you probably see it across the graphic at the bottom. Uh, so if you have any questions about uh, Jack's company, what they do with regard to service trade, and Jack's role with regard to the relationships he's building, um, or his work in the codes, uh, please don't hesitate to reach out to Jack. Uh, and you can always uh, reach out to myself. Um, and uh, all the contact information is going to be uh, in the notes for there as well. So thank you. Thanks, right. John. Yeah, great. Appreciate it. Hey, guys. Thank you for listening and going on this journey with us. If you enjoyed what you heard, please give the TMG Fireside a chat a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to like, follow, and share TMG on all socials as well as all podcast platforms. And finally, be sure to tell your friends across the fire protection industry about the TMZ fireside chat. Thank you and be safe.